This is Madeline Smith, and you are listening to Actually Interesting History. We make history fun, accessible, and interesting by sharing the human story behind the dates we learned about in history class. As Rudyard Kipling said, if history was taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. Now on with the show. Brief disclaimer. I try to make this a PG podcast, but unfortunately, it is hard to talk about Greek mythology without coming across some adult themes. If you plan to share this with young ones, please take a listen before you do. Thanks! During our background episode on ancient Greece, we learned about why mythology was important to ancient people. We discussed what being Greek was. We talked about the Greek creation myth and introduced first the Titans and then the Olympic gods. Quick reminder, Hercules is a Roman hero based on the Greek hero, Heracles, but they are pretty much the same thing, and for my childhood, I have just decided to just say Hercules, but we are going to be covering the Greek mythology. I thought it would be fun to quickly share what the Roman name for the Greek gods we talked about last time was. So, just to break it down, Zeus is known to the Romans as Jupiter, and he was in charge of thunder, and I almost said it <laughs> like the thunder song, <laughs> but it was embarrassing, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. But then he was also in charge of sky, weather, storms, lightning, lightning, and he was also the supreme being overall. Hera is his wife and is also known as Juno to the Romans, and she oversaw marriage and childbirth. Poseidon is known as Neptune, He was in charge of the ocean and earthquakes because people forget that he was supposed to be the overseer of land as well. Hades is known as Pluto, and he oversaw the underworld. Aphrodite is known as Venus, and she represented romantic or erotic love and beauty. Hephaestus is Vulcan, which is fire and metalwork, and also Vulcan is just, I kind of think that that's the cooler name. Apollo is Apollo. I don't know why he got to stay the same, but fine. (laughs) And he oversaw prophecy, the arts, and he was just, you know, the golden boy. Athena is changed to Minerva, and she oversaw intelligence and then strategy in war. And then Ares is Mars, and he just oversaw war in the mean, aggressive, warrior-like sense of the term. Artemis becomes Diana, and she is the patroness of hunting and women, and then Dionysus becomes Bacchus, wine, revelry, and the patron of college students and women who watch The Bachelor. When I say that the Greek gods became the Roman gods, I'm oversimplifying just the littlest bit. (laughs) The Greek gods were spread throughout the Mediterranean at the beginning of the Hellenistic age with Alexander and everything, which I'm sure we will eventually get to. But at the end of the Hellenistic Age, when Rome spread uh, control throughout the region, the Greek gods were absorbed into the Roman counterparts. So when Rome came to power, the importance of certain gods changed. For example, Hestia slash Vesta, who was the goddess of the hearth. So in in a home at this time, the hearth would have been very important and would have been a symbol of home life. She was extremely important to the Romans, and the priestesses that served her were of high importance in the Roman Empire. And so because of that and because of, different difference, because of differences in the culture, 
the importance of certain gods change. I also wanted to take a second before we get into this to really talk about this term hero. So the daughters and the sons of gods and mortals often accomplish great things and receive the title of hero in the ancient world. Today, when we think of heroes, I think we tend to think of Superman, you know, this like good person, this high moral character who does incredible things. But the Greek heroes were a little different than this. Though they often accomplished amazing feats and possessed attributes like incredible strength, speed, and endurance, they often were not very great on an interpersonal level, <laughs> which we will see in a few minutes. Uh, they tend to do some pretty terrible things and show really bad judgment and are a little more complex than our modern concept of a hero. I think a really good comparison for heroes in the ancient world are the judges in the Old Testament. They are very flawed people who are capable of extraordinary things. And the judges also have their own thing going on, but that's the comparison that I kind of make in my head. The version of the Hercules slash Heracles myth that I'm going to be sharing is from an epic poem called The Shield of Heracles. It was once attributed to Hesiod, our friend, but it was probably done by someone who is unknown at this point in history. It's kind of crazy how things are just lost, but oh well. And there are also some parts that are taken from the Iliad and are covered in that work as well. So without further ado, finally, the epic tale of Hercules slash Heracles. Let's go. Hercules was the son of Zeus and a mortal woman named Alcmene. We've already talked about dad quite a bit. Highlights, he's the supreme boss of pretty much everyone, but for some reason, even though he is the supreme boss, he still feels the need to sneak around on his sister slash wife, Hera, which this will become important very quickly. So let's talk about mom instead. So mom is described as being so beautiful that men thought they were in the presence of Aphrodite herself. This is extremely high praise. She also came from a very important mortal family. This is gonna get a little bit confusing, but bear with me. So Alcmene is the daughter of Electrion, the king of Mycenae. Her grandfather was Perseus and her grandmother was Andromeda. If these names sound vaguely familiar to you, you may know a little bit about mythology or you saw Clash of the Titans. I actually saw, I think it's from like 1980. There's the old version of that movie on Netflix and then also the new version with the guy from Avatar, Avatar the Blue People movie, not Avatar the Last Airbender, which huge fan that is on there as well. I actually remember seeing the newer version and I thought it was pretty good, so if you're trying to waste an afternoon, that might be a good way to do it, but <laughs> that is how you're probably familiar with these characters. Uh, a quick summary of who Perseus was in Greek mythology. He was the son of Zeus who saved Andromeda from a sea monster by using the head of Medusa. By marrying Andromeda, he founded Mycenae. The reason this is important is because it means that Hercules has Zeus, Zeus's blood from being both his son and through his great-grandfather 
Perseus, Her- Heracles slash Hercules, is the great-grandson, great-great-grandson of Zeus as well. <laughs> I have written in parentheses, the Ptolemies would be proud. Basically what this means is Hercules is a little bit more than half god, and this makes him extra, extra, extra special. No surprise here, the way Mom ends up pregnant with Hercules is extremely uncool. Mom was married to a man named Amphitryon. However, he was told that he could not consummate his marriage with Mom until the death of Mom's brothers had been avenged. Amphitryon really wanted to make this marriage happen, so he has to deal with a bunch of crazy stuff like catching a fox that was impossible to catch, but by the help of Zeus, the fox is turned to stone and he's able to catch it. This should be a major red flag because I have never heard of Zeus ever doing anything out of the kindness of his heart. Finally, after a couple of other steps which I'm not going to bother getting into, Mom's brothers are avenged. Yay! So Amphitryon can return home to Mom and they can finally consummate their marriage. Now, remember how I said Zeus never does anything just out of the kindness of his heart? Well, here we go. So unfortunately, before Amphitryon is able to make it to Mom, Zeus makes himself look like Amphitryon and visits Mom instead. Zeus even persuades the sun god to prolong the night for three times its normal length so that he can really get to know Mom. After Zeus leaves, the real Amphitryon walks in and also sleeps with his wife. She is very confused, but she doesn't really understand what happened until it becomes very clear. Mom becomes pregnant with two babies, Hercules, fathered by Zeus, and Ithacles, fathered by Amphitryon. Twins were considered very special in the ancient world, and the idea was that when twins were born, normally one was the son of a man and one was the son of a god. This idea is thought to have originated in ancient Egypt, and it's actually the story of how their, the dynasties of their ruling family was founded. It was thought that they were direct descendants of a god. Twins were seen as having such great power that sometimes people would just kill twins when they were born instead of letting that power mess up the status quo around them, which really, really sucks. I- I don't love that they did this, but I don't love that they did a lot of things. So, moving on. Uh, The relationships between twins were either seen as super, super close, or they were going to be bitter rivals of each other. And this, the idea of twins, is actually seen in the Roman tradition too, because Romulus and Ramus were the twins who famously founded the city of Rome. Eventually, Mom and Amphitryon figured out what had happened. Unfortunately, Hera, the goddess of childbirth and very pissed off wife of Zeus, also found out as well. When mom was in labor, she sent Lucina, a lesser goddess of childbirth, to sit outside her chamber with her legs crossed to stop mom from giving birth. She ended up being in labor for seven days and was close to death. A serving girl saw the old woman sitting cross-legged and suspected what might have been happening. She turned around and shouted, a child is born. And the goddess was distracted and jumped up to see what had happened. And at that very moment, mom was able to give birth to twin sons. 
The servant girl laughed, and the angry Lucina angrily turned her into a weasel. I think that <laughs> this whole delightful little uh, little story shows exactly how unfair the gods could be. Alcmene had nothing to do with what happened, but Hera was still going to hold her responsible anyways because Hera could not punish Zeus, but she thought she could certainly punish mom. And the same thing goes for that lesser goddess and the poor serving girl who is now maybe a beloved pet weasel. What happens to her after this is not exactly clear. Right before mom gave birth, Zeus announced that the boy born that day would rule all those around him. Hera, sensing an opportunity, asked Zeus to swear it, and he said, well, yeah, duh, why would I not swear that? And this introduces the fun trope that somehow, even though Zeus is the supreme boss of everybody around him, he is still easily tricked by Hera. I don't know how she managed to do this, but then again, I tricked my brother into cleaning the dishes for me when he was seven, and I was 14, so eh, maybe it's not that uh, maybe it's not that crazy after all. <laughs> Either way, Hera rushes to Earth and slows down the birth of Zeus, which was already kind of happening, and speeds up the birth of Hercules' cousin, who we're just gonna call him Hercules' cousin because there's a lot of names already in this story. He's going to come in later, but basically, the cousin was born first, so he would rule Hercules, not the other way around. Next, because pulling that one over on Zeus wasn't enough, Hera sent in two snakes into Hercules' room about an hour after he was born, with the hopes of, obviously, killing him. Hera does not describe... Herod does not prescribe to the whole the sins of the father should not be weighed on the son thing. It's not really her speed. So the snakes are sent in, but our boy Herc is able to kill the snakes pretty dang easy considering that, again, he's only about an hour old. And no, as far as I'm aware, the name of the snakes are not pain and panic, but it's still... You get the idea from the movie. That wasn't out of nowhere. That had some basis in the actual mythology. So what all this does is it pretty much scares... It really scares Alkmene. She is terrified. I mean, no judgment here. That Hera is just going to ruin her. So she takes the baby Hercules out of the palace and leaves him to die. I kind of get some judgment here. I understand being terrified. I'm not sure if I'm down with the whole leaving your baby out to the elements thing. So Zeus, who has already taken a like liking to this baby boy, probably because he's already killed snakes, a classic way to make dad proud, but he sends Hermes, the messenger god, to grab Hercules and secretly take him to Olympus to be breastfed by Hera herself, which is a huge burn from Zeus to Hera. That 70s show would be extremely proud. Now, it's a little unclear how Zeus got Hera to do this. I'm guessing it's the fact that he's the whole supreme being thing, though I don't understand why that suddenly comes into play now. Who knows? The mythology is not exactly clear. However, while Hercules is eating, he bit Hera, and at this point she says, no way. But the milk that spilled is supposedly what made the Milky Way. So next time you're looking up at the stars, 
I want you to have that picture in your head instead of a delightful pondering about our place in the universe. You can think about spilled milk. It's great. Also, Hermes takes Hercules back to mom and convinces her to please raise baby Herc. He promises, be of good cheer, your child shall know greatness. And with that, we are going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. Hercules is growing up in Thebes with mom and stepdad and the best teachers around. He makes the first of many big mistakes when he kills his music teacher. His teacher hit him after he made a mistake, which was perfectly normal. And then Hercules, who decided that it doesn't matter if corporal punishment is just kind of common with tutors in ancient world. That's not cool with me. And he hits him with a stool. And since, you know, he was able to kill two snakes when he was an hour old, I'm pretty sure it was worse than being hit, in the st hit with a stool by a normal person. So the music teacher dies. Now there's another version of the story where it talks about how Hercules was an exceptional physical specimen, even from childhood, but he was not the most graceful of people. His tutor corrected him so many times that Hercules hit the teacher with a leer and killed him. I'm not sure which is better, this or the stool, but in this version of the story, he is tried for murder, but acquitted on a claim of self-defense which I would love to see that played out in a court of law today. I think that that would go over extremely well. Either after being banished for killing his music teacher or just going out into the countryside for a brief diversion after being acquitted for the death of his music teacher. Either one, not great, but okay. Hercules comes across a lion. Now, you and I would run away if we saw a lion, but Hercules, on the other hand, was like, this looks fun, I'm going to wrestle with it. Well, he kills the lion, and that lion had been apparently a huge thorn in the side of a king who lived nearby who oversaw a large amount of cattle. Now, because a traditional thank you was not enough, this neighboring king gave, in parentheses, all of his 50 daughters to Hercules because, and I quote, the king could recognize a hero when he saw one and wanted his grandchildren to inherit some of that spirit. After that delightful interlude, Hercules begins working on a way to get back to Thebes because I guess, you know, wandering in the countryside gets bored after a while. So Creon, a friend of his stepdad and ruler of Thebes, had to pay a neighboring kingdom 100 oxen every year, which it was pointed out is apparently a very heavy burden. No details on how many oxen would not have been a heavy burden, but we'll just let it go. So Hercules sees an opportunity and offers to take care of the neighboring kingdom problem. So Creon will not have to be on the hook for all those oxen anymore. Hercules leads an army into battle and wins a decisive victory, even though during this battle, his stepdad, his stepdad Amphitryon is killed in action. Creon is so grateful to Hercules for getting to keep his oxen, he offers up his daughter, Megara, to Hercules as a wife. The years pass and Megara gives birth to children for Hercules, who were both delighted to be parents. However, it is said, heroes are not destined for peace. 
While Hercules was puttering about on Earth in relative peace, Hera was still not over the whole Hercules existing thing. She would never finish until his death, which I have written in parentheses, delightful. Hera sent down a, quote, madness onto Hercules. Suddenly, Hercules was not in his own house, but he was surrounded by his enemies. He went from room to room and slayed them. Athena, who saw what was happening, rushed from Mount Olympus to Hercules and threw a rock at his head. When Hercules woke up, he saw that he had slaughtered his wife and all his children. Hercules was devastated, and he went to Delphi to speak to Apollo. Apollo, who, if you remember, was the golden boy god, was associated with both prophecy and the sun. Apollo told Hercules that he had to serve his cousin, remember that cousin that was born before him, so technically ruled over him, for 12 years and carry out whatever tasks his cousin sent to him. The gods asked that the tasks be nearly impossible, for Hercules was a great man, and so he needed to be greatly tested. Apollo said, though Hercules did not know, that at the end of Hercules' time, he would become immortal. He would do so because in his time left on earth, Hercules would rid the world of many evils and aid the gods in their battle against the giants. Dun dun dun. What a wonderful cliffhanger. So I wanted to take a break in our story to talk about some things really quick. First, I wanted to talk about this idea of madness. So it's said that Hera sent down a madness onto Hercules, but it's not really clear what this was. And I think that this is a good place to talk a little bit about ancient people's understanding of health and mental health. I couldn't help but look at this and think, you know, maybe this was some sort of psychotic break. Maybe this is related somehow to schizophrenia. And this... This is all conjecture. I, I obviously don't know what the ancient people were thinking, but I think that it's really interesting that the ancient people thought that things that came on like this, like something out of nowhere, was somehow given to them by the gods because they didn't have the same understandings of health the way we do and mental health as well. I think that another example of this is Julius Caesar is said to have maybe had epilepsy, And he had to hide it because he was afraid that if he went into seizures while his people saw, they would think that somehow he was cursed by the gods. Which again is showing this huge connection between their understanding of there being something wrong but not understanding why. And so they attribute this to the gods. Already, too, we've also been introduced to this concept of fate and needing to be tested as well. And I think that that's really interesting because at this point in the story, Apollo says that he already knows. Hercules is going to be instrumental in this battle that the gods are going to have, and he's going to rid the world of all these evils. But then at the same time, I... I don't know. I I struggle with this because I'm not sure what the ancient people thought about personal agency. 
it seems like people do have choices somewhat, but then at the same time, their fate or the way that their lives are going to go is almost already predestined. And so it's this really interesting mix of two ideas that don't really feel like they should go together. Something else that I was reading about that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to go ahead and share this at this point in the story. But some people have said that the Hercules tales, there were all of these amazing feats that he did. And so what some writer did in the ancient world was come up with this huge backstory to consolidate all of these stories about why Hercules completed these 12 tasks. So some people think that the tales of the tasks that we are going to be talking about, I'm sorry, next time, <laughs> were just created because he wanted to bring it all together and make it into one cohesive narrative that I also think is really interesting. So there's a chance that even though this is at the beginning of his story, this part of the mythology was created last. So next week we are going to get into the 12 tasks of Hercules. Thank you so much for listening. Bye! If you like what you heard today, please consider leaving a review or coming and following me on Instagram or Facebook. I would appreciate it so, so much. I also have a website where I'm trying to get better about posting things that have to do with each episode, sharing some stuff, things like that. So if you guys also want to check that out, I would be extremely grateful. And as always, if you have any feedback, suggestions, please feel free to send them my way. I have a email address that is posted on the website and then also I am constantly checking the Facebook and the Instagram. Thank you guys again. Talk to you next time.